Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Pod brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Um, I am Cami Black. Um, welcome to some of the, or is not some of, the worst people in the world of rugby. And also, <laughs> the hyenas, worst people in the world of rugby. The worst people in the world of rugby. And also, hyenas sculling around, causing trouble where we can feed off others' misfortunes and touting lies and misconceptions. That that may be the best description we've ever had of this podcast. I think it's it's fairly spot on. We've had it we're having a wonderful time on Twitter.com. Oh it has to be so much fun. Cup. It's there is there's so much fun to be had when you just when you just let it go. When you just let it go. And joining me this evening, the man who also has the login to our Twitter account, it's Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. <laughs> Hello, good evening. Do you know? Do you know what the problem is? That we were just talking about schools are on strike up here, but I'm still working because it's support staff who are on strike, so the schools are closed. And I've spent all week thinking, what am I going to do? Sitting on my own in my class for three days. Turns out, <laughs> just go on Twitter. A lot. Just go on Twitter and wind everybody up. <laughs> is that the easiest fishing you've ever done? It's- it's like fishing with literally fishing with dynamite. That's what we're doing on Twitter. <laughs> uh, also joining us this evening, we've got Craig Manson. Craig, welcome. Due to be five minutes late, we were hoping to get all the Ember news out of the way, or John was, but you've made it just in time. I'm out of breath because I sprinted up to my office so that I could get in here just in case John Anderson decided um, that... Uh, but the funny thing about it is that when you're describing uh, how we've been described on Twitter, um, I thought he was talking about Glasgow Warriors fans. But um, anyway, that's a different story. Oh! I mean, indirectly, it was. <laughs> I, um, there was an interesting... Speaking of fans, there was a good thing on... Um, so somebody sent directly to us on Twitter this evening, John Anderson, which was a clip of some Australians doing a podcast saying that the, the Welsh fans are some of the best winners you can ever hope to meet, which, I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever done a double take at, uh, at watching a video before like that. So, I mean, that probably sums up everything that's wrong about Australian rugby then, because clearly, the, you know, they're, they're, there's... There's something wrong with these people because have have you met a Welshman who's won? They are dreadful. They've always been dreadful. It's yeah, no thanks. I mean, if they were talking about specifically last weekend, do they have been waiting for that for a while? So maybe they were just really relieved. I yeah. think Australians are some of the worst at the wind ups, though. They're, they're... Ah, yeah, they are. They're terrible. To be fair, they're too. They you don't tend to get many of them in your mentions misunderstanding or arguing with you. But equally, they just seem terrible at using social media to wind up people as well. It's, it's almost like it's the fifth yeah. choice sport in the country or something. And no one actually cares. Do you know what the really weird thing is? The person who called us the worst people in world rugby uh, because we were winding up the Welsh was South Africa. <laughs> oh, no, but I think that's a hangover. I think that's a hangover from two weeks ago where we were just on the wind up <laughs> the South Africans. Yeah, yeah possibly, I suppose. Because I was complaining to the Irish pals about it, being like, look look at this guy, come and get your mate. And they were like, I've just checked his profile, he's South African. (laughs) But I mean, we've also, there's a couple of Irish guys that keep coming back saying, why are you so obsessed with us? It's like, you're in our pool. Yeah. (laughs) Because we have to beat you to get to quarterfinals. Um, we've got somebody on YouTube saying uh, we didn't get, people didn't get nearly as upset when we were, when we were a Bluey fan, less of the were. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We have to be fair. We've strayed a bit from bandits late recently because I don't think he'd be as mean on Twitter as we are. Uh, have you seen that? Right. We've also, well, certainly Johnny, you and I have seen the State of Union episode of Bluey. There's okay, no yeah, way, fair, there's yeah. way that Bandit Healer yeah. is not on Twitter on a constant. Bandit <laughs> Healer is absolutely constantly on Twitter on the wind up with opposition fans. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, yeah in yeah. fact, he runs to his door to shout at the Kiwis, doesn't he? So He does, except for your mate Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. That makes it sound like we're, we're terrible people in real life. Well, of course, we're not. We're terrible people on social media. We're fine in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Harley, to be I mean, fair, Harley spotted that because Harley, who is Welsh and knows us quite well, says whoever's been running the Twitter account has been on top form. So he clearly knows what's going on. It's the it's it. the Johnny Cub Lately's who have turned up to the World Cup and decided that they know better. Just like bite is, your hand off instantly. How on <laughs> shock news people on Twitter don't have a sense of humour. <laughs> I think the problem, do you know what the problem is? We've got no content to share. Right, because we're not allowed to share anything from the World Cup. Because World Cup basically will yep. lock to shut down anyone's account who shares anything that they don't have permission to or they haven't paid for rights to. So this is what happens, right? We've, <laughs> I'd love to be. What I'd like to do is to clip Darcy's beautiful run against Tonga together and put it to some music, or I don't know, make a funny meme out of a Finn Russell expression. But I can't because we'll have the, the account set down. So all, all I've, all I'm left with, is winding everybody else up. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful time to be alive. It oh, is. I'm just I'm just so much looking forward to our Six Nations trip to uh see Scotland v Wales in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be fabulous. In Cardiff with the two guys that run the Twitter account, Craig. Me and Johnny are gonna get branded yeah. t podcast branded t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the good them. news is on top of that, at least we're not going with Steph who runs rock and roll and has been instrumental in signal boosting all of our winding up of the Welsh. So he'll not yeah. be there as well to shout to everyone. To, to then point at us, point us out to everybody. Any footage of Duhan getting jump scared? Um, we're not allowed to, but we don't have any footage of anything. At one point, I thought I was. At one point, I did consider um, reenacting the high, uh, the high, some of the high tackles from this weekend using my kids' dolls. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember primarily this is an audio uh, format, so it was very. Are, are we allowed? Are we allowed to share like Scotland stuff? Because have they got stuff in camp? They've got the in camp stuff. But, stuff but the problem is, the problem is, I don't. No, we've got a policy of not sharing anything official from the SRU until they <laughs> um, allow transgender women to fully participate in rugby again. Yeah, and we're just we're we're also waiting on the. I'll, uh, happily, I'll happily share any official content from the Edinburgh Glasgow or SRU account, but until that point, we're not amplifying it. And that, and here's me wait, waiting to see Dave Cherry going down the stairs on a tea tray. <laughs> Allegedly, there has to be there has to be footage of that somewhere. There has to. Why, be. why don't because yeah, I, I mean, because I obviously look like him, and I'm. Just, oh, we could um, recreate it. That's a I, great I, idea. I've got, I've got stairs outside. I could go and get a T3, and I'll, I'll, not I'll, I'll not with the state, not with the state of your hip, John Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's fair. The outcome. I, I, I was hoping you were going to wait on me coming through so I could push you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, who do you play in this recreation? What do you know that we don't know? I'm Stuart McAnally. I'm the Stuart McAnally, Johnny Matthews, Johnny Matthews um, uh, supporter. That's how he did his neck. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing Dave Cherry down the stairs. Every hooker's looking behind him at this point. I was, um, I was going to kick off a new feature uh, last week during the Patreon, but I had to I had to shoot off a little bit early unexpectedly, which was um, what hurts this week, given our ages. <laughs> so we were going to regularly just, like, just report on what's hurting this week. In honor I of you, say, what cars do the Scotland players drive? Because we finished that. Oh. Yeah, no, that, your that, absence, that, we got through the whole 23. That was a great hand grenade, Cam, through, through our well, <laughs> just as he was leaving, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I anyway, should we, go, should, should we talk about some rugby? Go yeah. for it. Oh, go on, anyway. let's, let's catch up on a bit of news. Um, we'll do some, I mean, um, Ben Velicott's been appointed as co-captain for Edinburgh, Craig. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I got the yeah. news, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I think. Well, obviously, it, it looks like he's going to be the um, one of the leading. Uh, well, the leading nine um, on the park. From what, from if they're going to name co-captain, um, you know, uh, there's lots of pictures of um, Scott Steele at the moment going around, and him and he's backwards, backwards uh, facing uh, Edinburgh cap. I thought John Anderson would be breaking down the doors. Um, yeah, I'm a so, big fan of that. Big fan of that. So it looks like um, we're going to see more Benji, but to be honest, that's that's really good. He's a good, he's a great player. Really, really happy with him staying at uh, staying at um, the, the hive, and also um, really happy to uh, see him as a co-captain. Should be good. Um, Glasgow wise, um, John, you've got no players left. Everyone's injured, and now Johnny Matthews has been called up for Scotland. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. We've got a pre-season kicking, the pre-season friendlies kicking off. Um, so I'm pretty sure that with my sore hip, I'm not going to get a call up, but I wouldn't count on it. Like I might, might give 20 minutes. I'm free this weekend. Probably, yeah. 12, 12 members of the squad are out with injury. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the squad's been, it's funny because like, so they've been doing Tom Jordan uh, has been doing the preseason like diary thing. And he's just been talking about how well the boys have been going and all this. And everyone's kind of like, what boys? Like, no one's training. <laughs> They're all injured. No one's... The- Is Tom literally just the only guy running about himself just now? I think he must be. And actually, he's talking about like he's talking about everyone, but actually it just means I'm training really well. I'm running brilliant, doing PBs, all that jazz, because it's only me. Full access to the coaching staff himself. Beautiful. Um, Johnny, are you happy with the state of Glasgow at the minute? No worries that give half the squad away with Scotland and half the squad in the physio room. Do you know what? Does it like I'm struggling to decide whether it matters or not? Like it's a preseason game against Zebra on Friday night. Should still half our team, well, like we knew half our team was missing anyway. I'm not gonna like we might lose. Oh well. As long as as long as they're as long as they're fit by the time the URC starts and the World Cup squad comes back, then it doesn't really matter. Well, as as see. the a... URC starts in March or something, doesn't it? Based because of the World Cup, I think it starts sooner than that. It starts yeah, the week before the final. No, the twenty second October. October it starts. Yeah. yeah. So there are some Irish first games against Leicester. So well, our first Glasgow's first games against Leicester, so we'll both be full strength for that. Yeah, because they're assuming Ireland aren't making the final. Yeah, perfect. As, as, very good with the URC. They know these things. Bet the South yeah, African listen, teams are not playing week one. Johnny will, be, Johnny will be able to go through and take in uh, the full view of the game from Tory Boy Cafe that they've uh, just announced as well. And he'll be quite happy. Aye, that's weird, that. That's uh, 
it's very West End, I must say. Very West End. <laughs> what's the what? What's this then? Oh, I the new cafe that they've uh, the new um, the new uh, vendors for uh, Glasgow Warriors in Scotstown. It's very nice with a speciality it, teas, speciality lattes and mochas, and then the hang on a minute. This the comes from a boy whose team kept a winger on their books for three extra years just because he had a coffee truck outside. And you're hey, listen, just you, don't you worry about it. Uh, we, we can still get a horse's patoot on for, uh, with chips um, outside the dam. Well, the hive. <laughs> Not a screamer, a scratcher, the pecker, the flapper, or peacock fries. Come on now, boys. If you ever asked me <clears throat> a peacock before, it's really good. There's absolutely there's no there's the only thing is there's no quinoa on the on the um uh, on the list, which That's is a, a real disappointment. What's quinoa? So no quinoa is it no quinoa? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always pronounced it. Well actually when you're from Edinburgh, that's how you he's, pronounce it. He's he's in his office pronouncing quinoa correctly and yet I'm the Tory. <laughs> <laughs> And did, you, did you notice Craig's got all, all his bills up in the, the, the board beside him as well tonight? <laughs> He's like, pure money grab. He's just like, I'm just going to put all my outgoings up here just to show Absolutely. the fans. Uh, well, actually, yeah. if, you, if you have a wee further look, there is a Guinness World Record one there as well. Look at that. Oh, bravo, yes. that What's that for, for Craig? Angriest reaction to someone calling something Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, give us your Guinness World Record then, Craig. Uh, it's the world's largest um, uh, pot of porridge. What? Wait, the, you, you <laughs> ate it? Uh, no, we made it. Uh, Cooper round table. Um, it sounded more and more Tory every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we just got together and made a, a big, a big pot of porridge. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. Cooper round table made a big pot of porridge. Bed. Along with, along with, uh, obviously, um, if you, uh, if if anyone knows uh, about Cooper, we have the um, the Quaker Oats factory um, on the outskirts as well. So, along with Quaker Oats, um, we made the largest pot of porridge. I cannot believe that for once we've managed to like name drop some companies on the public pod, and we we like have a really bad habit of name dropping like beer companies and stuff behind the paywall, and the one person we've name dropped. On the public board to try and get a sponsorship is Quaker Oats. <laughs> they had, hey, they had a half naked. Like, don't get me wrong, I would take free porridge. They've got, they had the um, half naked uh, Ross Ford on the packets for all, didn't they? Yes, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Craig wasn't allowed to open those ones. I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't. <laughs> they stopped me. They stopped me buying posters. What we? What we, did, was it? What? How did the? How did you make the porridge then? Was it you taught, was it water, salt, milk? What was in what was in it? It was water and oats, and then it was uh, made in a large, well, a massive big um, pot, and then we mixed it over a period of time with the help of uh, the fire brigade who gave us the water in Cooper, and then um, uh, we made the porridge, and then it was transported up from the um, Highland Games that were at uh, in Cooper up to the Quaker Oats where we made, where we made it. And we had to did wait you, on the. Did, did you start eating it? Did you? Crack we could. It? We 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 had we had to eat it to show it was edible, but um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it was to be honest. But considering <laughs> cons- considering the color of the water that came out the fire engines tanks, um, it wasn't fit for human consumption, um, as such. 
Um, and can so, we confirm uh, how, 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 many, <laughs> how many toes do you now have on each foot, Craig? I was going to say, uh, a, he's, got, he's got another Guinness Book of Records for the longest sat on a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, I didn't eat it, but uh, no, it, uh, it all went um, so that the agreement was that it was going to go to feed um, animals um, so that uh, we're not wasting it. Um, so it went to a pig farm and it was fed to the pigs. So, yeah. Very Fair good. Enough. There we go. Don't, don't get that on our all rugby podcast, do you, Guinness, a Guinness World Record? it's it's no longer it's been beaten unfortunately uh, do you not have to hand back your certificate then? I was going to say yeah absolutely not, it tries out my cold dead hands (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to record like a true Tony (laughs) (laughs) how are you calling me a Tony? come on now I think we should try it for a Guinness World Record of longest on a rugby podcast not talking about rugby (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's a straight shootout between us and Blood and Mud. I was that just about to say, yeah. Start learning a bit of DIY. Um, I, think, I think we could do it, though. I think we could, we could be strong. I'm sure we could. Um, Johnny Matthews, anyway. Let's get back to the rugby. Johnny Matthews um, is calling the Scotland squad. Johnny, you must be delighted. Yeah, not before time. Johnny Matthews, the world's most deserving try machine. It's about time he was in the squad. He should have been there from the start. We finally, yeah, finally achieved justice for Johnny Matthews. Can't wait it's for not him to start against Romania and score seven tries. Is, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is, 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 there's, uh, here comes Johnny Matthews onto the park against Romania. Yeah. <laughs> seven tries later, including three from his own his own twenty-two. Yeah. He's just kicked to the corner drive over. Kick to the corner oh, drive yeah, yeah. over. It doesn't always have to be that. Over. It doesn't know. He does score. He does. like a good charge as well. Does Johnny Matthews? Yeah, but Alan Dale isn't here with them tonight, isn't away yeah. in the Scotland squad. And also, I'm fairly sure that um, it's probably going to be Ben Healy that starts against Romania. So, like, he can, t- he can take penalties from our own 10 metre line and put them into 5 metre. It's the perfect. Ben Healy and Johnny Matthews is the perfect combination for this game. We'll win 3 um, We've talked a lot about how Gregor Townsend is, is playing a different on a different level to other coaches. Now, I, I wonder how much this was always planned. I think Stuart, Stuart McAnally was always a bait and switch, right? He knew he knew Dave Cherry, the, the whole Dave Cherry thing, right? Dave Cherry's wife. It was him that pushed him. Give birth, right? Hear me out. Dave Cherry's wife's due to give birth, right? The whole he's slid in a set of stairs on a tea tray. That's a smoke screen for Dave Cherry going back to be with his wife, right? McAnally comes in as cover, gets a nice wee holiday in the south of France. Good way to announce the retirement. Johnny Matthews rested for the first two games, gets a nice wee holiday in Fife, comes in fully ready to go at the end of the group stages. Right, you tell me that wasn't pre-planned by Gregor Townsend. Three <laughs> D chess. Was it? And there was an interview with Mark and Ali at the airport shouting, "I'm a pads, I'm just a patsy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the end where Gregor Townsend limps out of the press conference and then starts walking normally. That's when you know yeah. he's, he's <laughs> the final. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean it's yeah. I think we said it was it was it was strange he hadn't been called up um, at the start, given his try scoring record. But good to see him in there now. Um, should we talk about the Tonga match, or should we talk about uh, Ireland South Africa? What's the best? Should we do? Let's get Tonga out of the way. Let's go Tonga. Yeah, go for it. John, 
Yes. For me, um, it, I, I never really thought that Scotland were going to lose. And I never really thought that we weren't going to stick a load of tries past them. I think the frustrating thing is there were moments where Scotland lacked a bit of composure. I think the kind of random kind of kick that Finn Russell kicked away in our own 22 that then led to the second Tonga try was disappointing. There were a lot of... At the end, we got a bit frantic trying to maybe kind of stick a few points on them. And I mean, ultimately, the score wasn't too different to what Ireland did against Tonga. But I think there's points that Scotland can take from that. Yeah, so I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think individual errors crept in and it wasn't a coherent performance. It wasn't a great performance. You're absolutely right. I don't think it was ever in doubt. Even, you know, it was a seven-point game at one point. And even at that point, I don't think anyone were really that worried or concerned. I think, yeah, I think... Scotland, they'll, they'll have been really frustrated by that. And yeah, the result was good. But I think Tonga played, uh, you know, for, for all the chat about how poor Tonga were against Ireland, I thought Tonga were twice as poor against Scotland. I think they, they showcased all the worst bits of Tongan rugby. And it's funny, that you know, they brought all these former All Blacks back into the fold. And yet they still love a cheap shot. They still love a, a high hit. They still love indiscipline like it's going out of fashion. And Scotland, you know, I think the first half I saw it like towards the end of the first half, it was Scotland had conceded one penalty and Tonga had conceded four. Now, that first half was not a five penalty first half. There was literally hundreds of penalties <laughs> that should have been conceded. Um, so I was a bit frustrated with the refereeing. I, I won't sugarcoat that. But yeah, I mean they'll take they'll take the they'll take the, the bonus point. I think the result the previous night had almost kind of made it, you know, points difference is what it is. It's not it's unlikely to come into the reckoning now. So you know, I think they done they done what they had to do. I thought it was poor. They'll need a massive step up against Ireland, but we've got um Romania in the way first. So let's scrape twenty eight points past them and Let's let's uh, see where we go from there. It, it was strange, Johnny, because it's almost like Scotland in the past few years have thrived upon when the game get, breaks up. But actually, I thought that was where Scotland looked at their weakest when things when the game lacked structure. They almost didn't know what to do the, until Darcy grew on and kind of took the game by the scruff of his neck a little bit. But I think there were moments where you know Tonga were didn't have much shape, but Scotland didn't really seem to know how to respond to that or get around them. And it's almost like by adding, by, by Gregor Townsend, and I suppose, and, and Steve Tandy adding a bit more structure to the play, we've lost that kind of ability to almost kind of make stuff up as we go along. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, there was, there was large parts of that game where I couldn't decide whether Scotland were underplaying or overplaying. Like, sometimes it seemed like they weren't really bothering and they weren't taking opportunities. And like you say, the play would break down and they didn't really seem like anybody was that bothered to try and work out what they were going to do about it. But then there were also times, like John says, where it seemed like they were trying to force it, they were trying to stick extra points on them and kind of maybe push it a little bit hard for what was in front of them. So it was a weird game. They just seemed a bit out of sorts, I thought. And Craig, the way, the, the other strange thing for me was the, um, was the scrum. 
and it might be the way it was officiated, but it was hard to get a read on how well the Scottish scrum were, were doing because at times it looked like they were demolishing the Tongan scrum, but the referee was just saying the balls, you know, just just play. I'm not going to. Re- I'm not going to referee that. He didn't really seem to have any interest at all in refereeing the scrum. He's just like, I'm not interested in the scrum today. So long as the ball comes out the back, boys, let's just play on. But actually, yeah. I think Scotland had a very strong scrum, but it's up without kind of, I suppose, without the free kicks and the penalty awards, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think um, you have an issue. Well, I've always got an issue with Carl Dixon anyway. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, someone who believes he's an incredibly good referee um, shows very regularly that he's not the greatest. He doesn't really know what he's talking about at times. And with a scrum, he's very much a picture person. Um, and so for me, I think it's, I think from what he was looking at, he was seeing things, uh, Scotland were giving him pictures that, um, and so were Tonga, that were, although we had a dominant scrum, Tonga were giving them giving him a picture that they were under under the cosh by by um, by a scrummage that was you know Scotland who were scrummaging illegally uh, and and unfortunately you know you look at um, now I'm going to pronounce his name and I, you're, I'm going to get it completely wrong but it's Tufanina or Tufan the the the, the scrum the, the the tight head prop for Tonga yeah now he is a world class. Scrummager, he is very, very good. The problem you have is once he starts getting tired, he becomes very, um, you know, he doesn't scrummage as well, and so he goes to ground very, very quickly. And and so, uh, you know, you're looking at Rory Sutherland, who um, was getting turned in on him on a regular basis, whether it was Rory turning in on him himself or just the weight of 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 the the tight head prop coming on to. Rory Sutherland and Sutherland's maybe not had as much game time as he really needs, and it was just painting a bad picture for the for Carl Dixon. So he was, he was continually pinging us for it. You know? Um, is there anything we've learned from that game, John, that we didn't already know? Um, not that we didn't already know, but I think it's re-emphasised a couple of things for me. Um, distribution wise, thirteen and fifteen. Um, caused a lot of problems for us. We we slowed up a lot of play. If you're going to play really exciting wingers um, outside of Chris Harris, you're going to have to miss Chris Harris because he can't pass. Um, if you're going to ask Kinghorn to distribute, you're going to be slowed up. So, you know, you're going to have to utilise Kinghorn's strengths, which are to run onto the ball. Don't ask him to pass. Um, no, I think it was it was fairly... Yeah, it was fairly disappointing to see that because, you know, the, the, the Scotland attack has got the ability to be one of the best in this World Cup, but it takes, you know, one or two moving parts just to be substituted out for it to go to being pretty nullified. So I was quite disappointed to see that. And I think, you know, I think that will have confirmed a lot of things for the management. I mean, I, I disagree with John on the Blair Kinghorn point. Craig, I'm going to come to you. Yeah. I thought I caught thought King Hon had, had a really good game. I thought that there was the, the zip pass to, to do hand to put him away was was excellent. There was the one forward pass, I think it was a little disappointing. He was unlucky to have his, his try chalk that early try chalked off. Um 
Kyle Steen, I think the jury for me is still out on Kyle Steen as a starter for Scotland. I think in games against like Tonga, I've no issue with Kyle Steen starting. I think the claim that I saw one person say that he's what he's one Scotland's best winger was. I I don't know what I'd love to have whatever that guy's having that I saw on Twitter, but he, he certainly isn't. He's he's a very good solid winger. He's a very good bench option if you're looking for cover at centre as well. But I think you saw the difference when Darcy Graham came on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But also, where Kyle Steen comes in and shows his, shows his class is when he's going up against, let's say, um, a smaller opposition. If you put him into now, you know, if you put him in against South Africa or you go into against Tonga, etc., who are big hitters, he kept coming inside on a, a quick pace, thinking he was going to break through them, and they were putting tackles in and putting them back, and they were obviously it looked like they were targeting them because there was two hits going in it on a regular basis. So, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, I think Kyle Stain's a bad winger. I think he's a very good winger. I think he just he 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 should be used slightly with different teams against different teams whereas you know with Darcy he's he's so strong but also so small that if he's up against big hitters he usually sneaks either underneath them in between them or or steps them whereas I don't think Kyle Steen has that the the dartiness or the ankle breaking step that, uh, that that Darcy has you just have to look at the other side and you look at Duhan Duhan's having to now this this running across the field is starting to do my head in a little bit um, because he's, he's he seems to be coming down the wing. He's got full pace. He gets a ball and then he all of a sudden he halts himself and then runs inside. Now, for me, if I was going to, I would like to see Duhan if he's going to step in, just step in one step and keep running at the same pace because you're taking a softer shoulder. I just don't see the. You know, okay, he came across and he started manhandling people and throwing people on the ground, given the the pictures that everybody wants to see from Duhan. But his actual rugby playing, I just would like to see him run more with the ball straighter, if you know what I mean. There's a there's a there's a, bit of a trend. Oh, go for it. Do sorry, um, sorry. do Duhan's lateral meters count? And because you know how, like Tonga's an example, actually, of where I thought there was there was quite big periods where Duhan by his standards was quite quiet. And then you yeah. see stats saying that like he's he's made like a world <clears throat> cup record of meters carried. Now do his lateral meters count for that? Like if he if he runs twenty five meters in field and then turns up field and goes ten meters, does he get thirty five meters carried for that or how does that work? Because he always think his so. carry meters always seem to be a lot better than I thought they were. So either well, I've missed half his carries or they're counting all the time he goes sideways. Well he's carrying the ball when he's running inside. Um, so you know, I would say it points in that direction. Um, so surely but, the stat should then be meters forward, meters gained, as opposed to meters ran, because mm, you know, because yeah. your your props run lots of meters, just they don't have the ball. You know, mm. you, can, you like how far do you go with that? Like, I think that is, if that is the stat they're using, then it's a completely misleading and false start like and you know i think he did come into the game by the way i don't know i was not saying he was like i, 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 I yeah, not totally terrible agree, or anything but i always he always his numbers always seem to be better than than watching him suggests i i, th- I think the do hand things a really interesting one because i think where 
at risk of I, I agree, Craig. I, I think he does go lateral a bit, but actually there's a wee bit of a trend in world rugby just now for people to do that, purely because referees are not as hot on the, the blocking that you're seeing. So, you know, his try um in the Six Nations against England is a great example. You know, years gone by, there's a couple of moves in that try where there would have been blocking called. It's not been called now. So wingers are coming more laterally. I think he should run straighter. Um but if he's putting in numbers like 21 tries in 33 games uh, and continues to be, you know, one of our absolute devastating attacking weapons, both with ball and without, because defences are having to triple team him to bring him down, I'm more than happy for him to do whatever the hell he wants. We'll get on to the defensive side of things, I'm sure, at some point, perhaps in hand of, hands of luck. Um, maybe just now, who knows? But... Um, I think Scotland fans really just need to, you know, just realise how lucky we are to have this, this guy. I don't think we're I'm not saying these guys, I'm not yeah, saying I, are saying that. Don't, no, I don't, I don't think that, that's what we're saying, that it's not, I think it's that if he ran straighter and took straighter lines and didn't come in as much as he does, as Craig said, he he would get more tries. He would be a, he would be a, a more complete player. I think you look, I mean, you look at that last Try that Darcy scored, and and you know for all the world it looks like he's he's dodging and weaving, but his actual movement from from where he kind of started his run to where he ends up scoring the try, there's not that much difference in terms of the position, like the kind of position on the field, as it were. Yeah, he's weaving in and out, but the movements are so slight and jinky, whereas Duhan will almost run from the wing to to the middle of the pitch. And what we're saying is, it, it, it just needs to sometimes just needs to straighten up. It does, and I don't disagree with you. I would probably counter the Darcy point by saying then that how much of that ability to straighten up and actually, you know, cut cut lines and be able to break defenses is driven by the fact you've got this guy who is coming looking for work. You know, he is coming inside, and I think that's at the heart of the go- the coming lateral is is his way of coming in to look for work now. He's doing this throughout almost every attack and play Scotland have got when he's not on ball. So it's kind of natural that there's no spaces being created because that that will draw attention to defences. You yeah. know, centres are having to follow them. And yeah, I, I, I understand what you're, you're saying, John, and I really do. And I, and, I, and I'm not I'm being very very picky here because you know I, I, I I'm I'm being incredibly picky. But where where the the the, the Kyle Stain, for example, comes into it is that. He will come inside, but he doesn't come inside too much. He doesn't stop his run and then start to run sideways. And where um, I wonder if uh, it's come up as Facebook user, but there is a comment in the in the comments, and it says Duan's encouraged to run inside to target tight five forwards. Well, that that's wonderful. Yes, let's let's go for the slower forwards. But he's most of the time he's getting caught, put to ground, and the ball's being turned over. Whereas for me, I would far rather see him um, be used as that. You know, if you look at Bill Mata, for example, different player, but he still has that. He runs and he runs straight and he runs forward. And if the, if you look at the pace that we've got out of Duhan, you look at the pace that we uh, the, the the strength that we have with Duhan. I feel that he's stronger at pace, running over people rather than stopping, going sideways and trying to find a gap. And, and, and yeah, and drawn in players only works if you get quick ball, either yeah. from a cycling at the ruck or an offload. Well. 
can, can we we address that point then because that's next on my hit list. Go on, John. Uh, quick, quick ball from the rock. Ben White has inherited the Scottish scrum half. Uh, trait of becoming glacial with his distribution. I I disagree. I think Ben. What I think this it's a problem with the forwards, and I think we we're terrible at providing our scrum halves with clean ball. That's what I've come to realise is when we I can see the nervousness that Ben White has that if the ball isn't protected by the forwards. And I do think there's a slowness to get to the breakdown. I do think we're not that great at kind of clearing and protecting the ball. There was a lot of times when Tonga was straight over the top. and We were lucky there were a couple of times not to be pinged for holding on. And we got pinged against South Africa for holding on. And it's because the forwards aren't quick enough to get in there and protect the player on the ground. So I can see why Ben White would then be nervous at getting the ball away until he was absolutely sure it was safe to do so. Otherwise he's going to get scragged. You take I like I mean you take the opposite as George Horton, who at one point was told off by the referee for trying to milk a penalty by tapping <laughs> tapping a Tongan while he was lying on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Standard, really. I, I, the thing I, is like it, if there's anything that really needs to be fixed by next weekend, it's that because the breakdown where Ireland concerned is the Wild West. And I don't know how they do it, but they consistently get away with the most illegal breakdown work in the world. And it does not seem to matter who the referee is or what the circumstance is. Ireland's players are consistently breaking all kinds of laws at every breakdown. And if Scotland can't get that ball recycled quickly and not give them a chance to do that, we are scuppered next weekend. If you if you look at what what we've talked about consistently over the last couple of weeks, in fact during the Six Nations as well, um, the referees are not refereeing the breakdown, yeah. um, and so Ireland are basically looking for looking for chinks in the armour. So if you look at Ireland and I think France are the same, they are very 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 close to not rolling away on a regular basis to stop the first the first. Um, uh, the first defender coming in, yeah. um, so it isolates. Also, with with from what I can tell, and this might be completely wrong, and Gregor Townsend might come to me and, or Brad Moore might come to me and say, "You're talking shite." Not that uh, you're talking rubbish. <laughs> My apologies, Cammy. Um, it's me up <laughs> on midnight. That's it again. My mum would be would be upset with my potty mouth. Um, <laughs> the issue the issue we have is that. We are looking for um, more movement with our with our forwards. We're using our forwards in a more um, uh, around the pitch far more than other teams are. So, for example, when they go for when when a player takes a ball into contact, the forwards are standing back that little bit more because they're further away from the contact because they're expecting a pass. So they then have to accelerate to get into contact. And the problem you have at the moment across the whole game. Is you give anybody any um, uh, defending um, player a glimmer of the ball when you go to ground, they are going to go in and try and take that ball and, and paint a picture to the referee. So on on where where we either we bring the forwards closer, they bring the pods closer together so that whenever they go into contact, they're immediately clearing the the, the players out and protecting the ball, or we have these these um, these 
you know, the, the arrowhead or the or the diamond shaped pattern of the, of the forwards, if we have them split up a little bit further so that there's an ability to to pass the ball out and move it a little bit further, um, that's the juxtaposition that we have. Not to get really boring, but no, but but that's I think that's part of the reason why Dars, why um, <clears throat> Xander's been pinged twice now. You know, whenever you know for and and had red cards, it's be, it's exactly because because there isn't clean presentation of the ball, and because he's having to come from distance to come and help secure the ball. If you arrive late to the ruck, there's always going to be a risk that you're going to have head contact on the opposition player who's trying to steal the ball or trying to interfere with the ruck. So that and that's the problem. You you don't get drawn into those kind of problems if the ball's already clean you don't have to come from distances of forward to kind of sort the rock out if it's already sorted out yeah yeah is, so. is there an argument as well that we are so what what do other teams do when they don't have clean ball the vast majority of the best teams in the world go put that in the air let's let's get that clear let's just I think there was the reason I bring up Ben White. There was a couple of occasions against Tonga where he's, he's had his arm caught during the pass. It was the same against Wales in the Six Nations. He was caught three times by Wales. You know, it's something that has happened regularly. And whether it's the forward's fault or not, you know, ultimately it's his job to distribute the ball. Um, and if it's not clean ball, if the situation is not on for him to be able to make a pass, then he shouldn't be taking a couple of steps across, which will then allow him to get scragged. They should be setting someone up. They should be setting a pod of forwards going, going for the box kick, or they should be, you know, giving it to Kinghorn, giving it to uh, Russell, and going, let's put the ball down the park and and not play from here. Because whilst that's okay against Tonga and okay against you know a resurgent tier three nation like Wales, um, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yes, uh, <laughs> it's going to catch us out against a good team, you know, and Ireland will target that and we will lose points to that. So I just think there's maybe some naivety. If it is ball presentation, White's got a, a, a part to play in that. He has to be smarter, faster, whatever it is he needs to do to get that ball away. But where you, where you, where, where White, I think, is... White is very much a George Horn at times. George Horn used to take two steps or, or three yeah. steps with the ball. Um, he's learned now, um, especially at Glasgow, the forwards are clearing the ball. He's going to he's taking the ball, and his pass comes from the base of the ruck. Um, and that's where White is. You know, everyone says, "Oh, White's a fantastic loose player. He'll come around. He'll he'll dink, he'll jink, and he'll he'll try and get down the inside." Well, unfortunately, at international rugby level, you're, you're very rarely you're going to make your way through the defence. Um, uh, playing that way, so you need to move that ball, and that's where I guess that's where I agree with you, John. Is that I think I've seen a difference in Ben White when he first came on the scene with with with, with Scotland. He was a, he passed quickly, um, and his rock speed was far quicker. Now, whether whether we are letting him down, as in the forwards are letting him down um, with ball presentation, or whether he's had the corners knocked off him, like um, uh, like Ali Price was. Um, with process, box kicking, etc., etc., etc. Whereas George Horn doesn't need to, because George Horn's there for a reason. He's he's on the bench to come on and be a live wire, you know. I think the one thing, John, and we've we've kind of touched upon it in that discussion that still is frustrating with Scotland that 
you see when, I mean, and John's alluded to it, we definitely see it with South Africa and you see it with Ireland is we, we, we're, on, we're too honest sometimes, I think. Yeah. We, we don't play the boundaries and play the margins. And yeah, I'm not suggesting that we get, we, you know, we've played the margins before and been on the wrong side of it, but we haven't then been smart enough to kind of tidy it up and sort it out. But we are still being a bit too honest at times, I think. Yeah, yeah I think, no, I think you're right. And it's it's what kind of sets us apart. You know, we've we've said before that there's those there's those four big teams, and then there's us, and the gap's closing. But there is a gap between us and everyone below us. Unfortunately, the gap that we are kind of trying to bridge to go up the way is much bigger, and it is because those four teams, France, Ireland, South Africa, in particular, to a lesser extent, New Zealand as well. Um, are just so much more game savvy than us and than everybody else. And like whether that comes from, like John talks about, having better game management, box kicking away when they need to rather than trying to play out of situations where it's maybe not ideal, or whether it comes from being right on the edge of what's legal and working out what they can get away with and what they can't and getting away with as much as they possibly can, they are a step ahead and their sort of game awareness and their savviness from everybody else. And that's that's going to be huge for Scotland. Like, that's something we need to work on. Yeah. And we've got the players that do. I mean, I mean the fact, you know, obviously, Jamie Ritchie failed his HIA and didn't come back up. I mean, whether he failed it or whether or not they just decided they weren't going to risk him at that point in the game, they said he failed his HIA. He's, he's got return to play protocols to get through, John. But, you know, I think the mistake we maybe made about with Jack, the Jack Dempsey hit in against Australia was that we didn't we didn't whip him off the pitch and say he's off for an HIA referee. Yeah, I the South, the South Africa one. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like I've, I've I think you're absolutely spot on, Cam. I think quite often we find ourselves, you know, we we're getting better at it from a captaincy perspective. And I think Finn Russell and Jamie Ritchie both have shown over the last wee while more of a propensity to ask the referee and say, well, you have a look at that, but that's not enough. You know, you need that national broadcaster putting the, putting this, putting it up in the big screen. You need the player spending a bit of time, you know, yes, yes, it's gamesmanship, but do you know what? See if someone's been clouted in the face, they should be going to get checked anyway. So we shouldn't necessarily be playing on. So I don't think, and yeah, sure, right, Jack Dempsey gets clouted in the face against South Africa, probably goes off, gets checked, and they go, ah, you're fine, mate, and he comes back on. But the referee will have reviewed the the card at that point, and there's more of an opportunity. It's horrible to say it, but it's professional sport, and we need to, we do, we need to get smarter, we need to get better at it, we need to, you know, the French are famous for the the, the replays that you don't see, in the stand and it's a running joke, but it's it's the way it is. Like everybody's got a part to play in this, sadly, and that sounds cynical and horrible, but we do, we need to get a bit dirtier. Yeah. Shall we talk about the two tackles at the weekend? Yeah, I think we better. Eh? So I think the first the first tackle on Jamie Ritchie. Right, and without getting my you know, without getting my where did he touch your dolls out to recreate this, because that's the only way we've got it, so we don't have wardrobe footage to look at. The the justification for um, 
not upgrading it from a yellow card to a red card was that Jamie Ritchie dipped just at contact. It didn't dip much, Johnny. No. Um, I don't think he dipped enough to make it not a red card. I think you'd have to be trying really hard to find that, to be honest. Um, and it's a shame because I actually think the way this bunker system's worked, they haven't wimped out of a lot of decisions recently. I think a lot of the majority, it seems like, of decisions that go to the bunker have been upgraded to a red, and they don't seem to be doing the sort of looking for reasons to downgrade it like referees were doing when it was happening live on the pitch. But to me, I didn't see enough in that one to say, yeah, you should you should leave that a yellow. So it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. And, and Craig, I think the other thing is that we've noticed, and Gregor Townsend was quite vocal about this, is referees are just automatically going yellow card go to bunker we haven't seen any automatic red cards and it's not clear whether that's a direct instruction for more rugby um but it seems it seems it seems daft and mad that the referees aren't can't make those decisions on the pitch yeah, I think this 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 has to be a director from from World Rugby because this is the this is their their um their flagship um, competition and they want as many viewers to not be as bored or and 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 it was getting to a point where we were, we were sitting watching replay over replay over replay over replay over replay constantly to try and work out whether it's his shoulder or if it's his so I, I understand why they've done it the problem I have and and again uh, tonight's game. Um, I'm not going to spoil the score, but um, for, if anyone's not watched it, but again, there was two bunkers and one of them was a clear red. And you just expect, mind you, the Jamie Ritchie one, and for my, uh, oh, again, we go back to Jack Dempsey, you know, those were clear reds. And it basically should just be, there you go, boom, there's a red card and that's the way it is. And, and, I I almost feel that um, the referees are being downgraded slightly with the bunker system. Um, and okay, it's not very very it's not it's very rare for me to come out on the referees side, but I just feel that people there are referees out there that are very very good. Um, and uh, apart from Holly Davidson, which is ridiculous why she's not there, um, but um, I think we we really need to see that balance and I think I think you'll probably find it at, at Six Nations time um that balance will be readdressed because I think World Rugby will 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 back off slightly. Um but I, I I'm very disappointed in it. I have Harley to say I love the bunker. Could see, could see a murder on the pitch and still give a yellow. A hundred percent bunker's an opportunity I think the bunker is one of the yeah. best things they've done. I, I agree. Oh, I, I I've got great. no, I've got no qualms about it. Yeah, I've got no, I've got no qualms about it. My, no problem with the bunker. Um, it's, it's the, the, the problem is that we're not. They've just decided that we're going to refer everything to the bunker. Yeah. Um, and as we saw, to, other, do you know what? To be honest, I'd rather that they just refer everything and most of them get made reds than we that we spend five minutes watching replays, uh, with the crowd booing over the top. And the ref trying to see it on a big screen that's on the other end of the stadium, and then he finds a reason to downgrade it to a yellow. Like for me, if you want to make everything a yellow, 
than let someone who's removed from the situation sit there quietly on their own, go through all the angles, and then decide, I'm absolutely bang up for it. Yeah, I think I, think I agree. Because I think like you have to take into account what it's like in the stadium as well. Like It's not just the time that it takes to watch all these referrals. Could you imagine if it's a final and France are in the final and one of the French players hits somebody in the head with their shoulder... And then your your final your referee in the final's got to stand in the middle of the pitch at the Stade de France and watch a big screen while eighty thousand French people boo and hiss and shout about whether he's going to give a red card or not. I'd much rather if it's if if it's even if it is the most stuck on red card you've ever seen in your life, send it to the bunker and let somebody who's not in the middle of but that make that decision. But they're still they're still going up on yeah, the screen in the main to give the yellow. So I just if it's a stuck on red card, then just give the red card, you know. But that's the thing, like even stuck on red cards, like you know, they're going to the bunker and for and we disagree with a lot of the decisions that come back from it. We're saying, you know, stuck on red cards that are coming back as do, yellow. Do you know what this is? It's because world rugby are so protective of the footage they don't even want to put up on the big screen. <laughs> going to get shut down as a rugby stadium because you're showing you're showing uh, footage of the Rugby World Cup on a screen. So oh. we go in the bunker, and the guy the guy in the bunker has to have his uh, have his paywall pers- subscription. So that's why the uh, the Jack Dempsey one was missed. I the, the guy yeah. hasn't, the guy hadn't paid for his Sky Go that month. <laughs> it all makes sense. He'd logged in. He'd logged in using his dad's uh, login. Been uh, <laughs> geo blocked. Uh, they, they found him for account sharing, and they kicked him out just just at the wrong time. Um, look, this we, we're going to wrap. I'm going to wrap up this podcast. We've got plenty more to talk about this evening, um, and we'll be going and doing our uh, Patreon only podcast in a moment. Um, for everyone still who's listened to the main podcast, what we know is that Scotland need to beat Romania with a bonus point. The scoreline and the points difference doesn't matter. They need to beat Romania with a bonus point. The only time that points difference will matter is that South Africa don't beat Samoa with a bonus point, and that's not happening. Yeah. So go in the last weekend against Ireland. Ireland would be on 14 points. We would also be on 14 points, if my maths is right. Um, and so we would need to beat Ireland. We'd be on 10 points. We'd be yeah, on 10 points. Be, That's right. So we'd be on 10 points. Ireland would be, be on 14. 14. Ireland would be on 14. We'd be on 10 points. again, isn't it? This is, I know. So Ireland would be on 14. <laughs> we'd be on 10. We go in the last weekend. We have to beat Ireland with uh, either with a bonus point or beat them and deny them a losing bonus point. So we'd end up on 15 points. Because the tiebreaker is not points difference. The tiebreaker is whichever team has um, the won the match, won the, ma- won the head-to-head match. Yeah, yeah so, so if we beat, so if we beat if, them, if we they don't get a bonus, get a bonus point. point. As long as they don't get one, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, we Absolutely. don't need a bonus point as long as they don't get one. But if they're going to get one, we need to get a bonus point. That's the oh, way it's done. How I want them to nil points. We're fine. Well, yeah. how I want it to go to um, uh, 15, uh, 15 points each, and we get it because we've won the actual game um, uh, that we played against them, so that Irish Twitter explodes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be the ideal outcome. <laughs> so we shall see. So that's that's where it stands. Um, we are back next week. We'll review the remaining game. We'll look ahead to that Ireland game. Uh, I've just realised what we week. want. I'll let you finish that and I'll tell you what we want. What do we want, Johnny? We want 28 all in the 79th minute. We want Peter O'Mahony off his feet between the halfway line of the Scottish 10-metre line. And then we want Ben Healy kicking a penalty from our own half to make it 31-28 and we win. That's what we want. So we would have had, what in that scenario, what we've got our try bonus point? Yep. 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 And they've got Going a bonus point, and then the tie the tiebreaker is a Ben Healy penalty from inside our half in the last. Oh, hang minute. on a minute! No, that can't work. Could, they would get two. They get two yeah, bonus points, Johnny. Oh God, yeah. Okay, we don't want that then. Yeah. No, we don't want that. Take that out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, we want. All right, we we want we want them to be six points behind in the last minute, and then Ben Healy kicks a penalty, and they end up nine points behind, and that's okay. That's fine. As long as it's not that I can live with. Yeah, much better. That I can live with. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. On that on that note, and you can see why these things are confusing. Um, it's goodbye for this week. Like I said, we'll be back next week. Uh for the moment it's goodbye from me, goodbye from John, Craig, and Johnny. Bye. 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 Bye.